0: Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I'm talking to Emma Reed Terrell, psychotherapist, author and speaker. Emma grew up near Portsmouth and went on to read English at Queen's College in Cambridge. Following 10 years of working in business, she returned to her earlier passion for psychology and retrained as a psychotherapist. Emma now runs a thriving therapy practice alongside training and consulting, and her new book, Please Yourself, has recently been launched to the world. As a recovering people pleaser myself, I was very keen to get Emma on the show. Emma talks about how we all know how it feels to want people to like us, to approve of us and accept us. It's part of what makes us human, but the problem comes when we give up our own needs along the way. Because when we give in to make others like us or approve us, to shore up our own sense of self-worth, to feel needed or to avoid painful emotions, then we give to get, and rarely do we get what we really need. Emma's book will help you get better at being disliked instead of staying quiet. It will help you recover instead of fearing failure, and it will teach you acceptance instead of avoidance and show you how to grow instead of staying small. Above all, it will help you care better for others without taking on their problems, although caring better for yourself. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation with Emma today and hearing all about her wisdom in how to recover from being a people pleaser and to truly embrace being more of your authentic self. Let's get to the conversation. Hi Emma, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me Harriet, it's an absolute pleasure. So Emma, would you start off please just by um, introducing yourself and telling us a bit more about what you do?
1: Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay. So as you know, my name is Emma Reed Terrell. I'm a psychotherapist by trade and I have also written a book. And so my first book, which is called Please Yourself, How to Stop People Pleasing and Transform the Way You Live, was published by Fourth Estate at the beginning of April. So I'm now running a kind of a combination of my private practice, the consultancy that I do for organizations and writing and you know whether it's a good idea or not. Having a go at a second book. So that's a kind of a brief overview of of what I am, what I'm up to now.
0: Okay, no, lovely there. Thank you, Emma. And has this book been kind of a long time sort of coming? Has it? You know, how long have you sort of been birthing this book? <laughs> well I
1: think it yeah that's such a good question so it probably started that kind of gestation period started mm-hmm. 2019 when I had a conversation with my best friend and was talking to her about this this particular type of people pleaser that I was seeing coming into my consulting room a lot and how I felt that there was something there and something that could really usefully be kind of explored and she is an author and she said you should just write the book And at that point, I thought, well, yeah, maybe I will. I'll just write the book. So it took me about a year to write, I suppose. And then there was much editing and polishing happening last year before it came out in April. So it has been a long time coming. But in another way, it feels like it was only yesterday that it started. Mm,
0: Yeah, no, sure. Well, it's it's wonderful, isn't it? I think it's a book that's been really needed because I think there aren't that many books out there specifically on Mm. people-pleasing. Yeah, I noticed that. I think
1: this was kind of where it was really coming up for me was the contrast between the impact of people pleasing that I was seeing among among my clients and how enormous and damaging the effect was. And then somehow juxtaposed against that, this sort of light touch, motivational quotes presentation, it was kind of getting on social media, you know, this sort of Mm. take more me time and don't be so nice and you're too easygoing and And actually, they just didn't really, they didn't fit together. So it has been needed, I think. And some of the feedback I've had so far has been particularly for people who maybe didn't think they were a people pleaser, recognising that actually, oh, this speaks to me too.
0: Mm. Sure, that's so good to hear. And the sort of motivation behind the book, like, I guess it sounds like you were seeing a lot of sort of people struggling with this in your clinical practice. And Mm. is it something that you've also sort of experienced yourself?
1: I think I've been, you know, in the book, I talk about the different pleasing profiles. And I think I have had a foot in each of those camps at one time or another. Now, I think I'm, I'm a lot better because I can't unknow what I know about people pleasing. And, and in a way, I feel really confident when I talk to people about the possibility and the hope of recovering from people pleasing, because I can see actually how it has helped me. But I think that there was this sense that within my clinical practice, people were coming in, not necessarily identifying as people pleasers, but really aware of the pressures of other people's demands on them.
0: Mm -hmm. Sure. So could you tell us, Emma, a bit more about the four different types of pleaser that you identified?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, well, let's start at the beginning. The beginning, I call the classics. And the classic people pleasers are the ones that we all know and love. We all know one, we would recognize one, we might even recognize in ourselves. They are the people pleaser who really wants to get it right for other people and make them happy, choose the perfect birthday gift, or, you know, be the perfect host. Or put everyone else's needs ahead of their own, always willing to kind of say after you and what would you prefer? And it's that sense of as long as they're meeting other people's needs, they're fulfilling their role. But if you actually ask them what they wanted, they might well draw a blank. So those are the classics. Then I kind of expand out a bit and I talk about a second group, which I call the shadows. And the reason I call them the shadows is because they tend to orbit someone who's already in the light. And by that, I mean, perhaps they grew up around someone who already had that kind of number one position and actually their role became supporting other people to achieve their goals or supporting other people to meet their potential. So they are your number one, number two. They're your biggest fan. Mm. They're the perfect wingman. You know, they're the one you want in your camp, but actually it's all about they get their sense of satisfaction through your success. So I call them the shadows. Mm -hmm. the third group I call the pacifiers and these guys are a bit different because this isn't about necessarily pleasing people and getting it right these are the people who don't want to get it wrong they are the ones who don't want to upset anyone or rock the boat they can't bear it if someone's disappointed in them they don't want anyone to dislike them so they go around trying to be this kind of middle of the road mediator harmony creator pacifier and sometimes for them, maybe they did grow up in a situation or a system where actually there was conflict and their role became being the person who could who could somehow dilute or dissolve conflict where it arose. And then I talk about this fourth group, and it's the fourth group which really piqued my curiosity in the very beginning, because these are the ones who don't identify as people-pleasers at all. In fact, they probably would imagine themselves to be well well out of the reach of people-pleasing. These are the ones I call the resistors. And these are the ones who believe themselves to be immune to all this pressure. But actually, when we kind of drill into some of the patterns of their behaviors or the choices they make, we can see that maybe they feel the pressure to please just as much as everyone else. And their response to that is to opt out totally, because, you know, if you can't play, you can't lose and you can't be rejected by someone that you didn't want to be in relationship with so we have this kind of a reaction style which is I will keep everyone at arm's length in order that I never have to get hurt or feel that I'm failing so those are the four types we'll have a bit of all of them at times or we might find that actually we start in one and we move to another I've noticed that a lot where pacifiers get sick and tired of pacifying and they start to resist instead but there are combinations
0: but yeah there's the four. Mm. No, well, thank you for explaining those. It's just so fascinating. And I think as a recovering people pleaser myself, I absolutely Mm -hmm. do relate to all of those different types. (laughs) (laughs) and I think it's interesting as well that you say that yeah perhaps people can move between them and also the resistor thing I think is fascinating isn't it because I think I think for myself my recovering people pleasing journey adopting Mm. the kind of resistor position was the kind of route what I felt was kind of out of it I guess but but like you're saying really it's just another form of people pleasing but Mm. it's a bit more subtle and it's yeah it's kind of opting out completely isn't it? absolutely you know it's this kind of and
1: again this is the bit where I was noticing we were being told just to not care you know don't care what people think mm. actually we should care what people think just not to the exclusion of what we think you know we should mm. account for what people think absolutely but not as a more important opinion than our own but there probably is a brain of truth in it somewhere that could be useful to us so this idea of we're going to just not care seemed to be like a really reductive solution to a problem which was actually more about care more what you think, care more about what you need and what you want, and you'll probably find you you meet a balance. Mm,
0: yeah, and it's so true. So I guess as well, being a resistor, you could become quite isolated, couldn't you, really, on your island, yeah. really? And does it relate a bit as well? So I was just thinking as well, just identify myself as a recovering resistor of maybe yeah. as well, that slightly perhaps avoidant attachment style where yeah. you kind of opt out, you know, I guess to yeah. protect yourself. Yeah, it's safer there, isn't it? It's
1: just safer if we don't need other people, mm. except it's probably not the full picture. You know, we probably have just found that that's the next best solution to... You know, it's better than needing people and them letting you down. Yeah. But actually, yeah. this idea that as kids they were our only options, and we our attachment style comes from there. But as adults, maybe that's no longer the case. Maybe we can actually tolerate being let down by others in order to inform what we do next.
0: Mm, Yeah, no, I love that. So obviously, like I work in eating disorders, and I'm just really curious as well about because I think people pleasing is something that is so often seen in people that struggle with eating disorders. And I guess, you know, the eating disorder is often an unconscious coping strategy, maybe to avoid feelings, or perhaps kind of, again, get off the treadmill of life. Where you are yeah. feeling so much kind of pressure to perform and meet other people's expectations, and I guess, of course, it's not like I don't think anyone ever thinks I'm going to like restrict my food or you know binge mm-hmm. eat or something to cope. But it's it kind of almost in the short term, it kind of gives some relief, I guess, from all those pressures. And part of that could be sort of the people pleasing. So I'm wondering yes. as well that you know because I guess you know you probably work with clients from you know very different presentations and some of those might be eating disorders. Sure. But is it something that you've seen as well in your sort of practice that kind of link with perhaps eating disorders and people pleasing?
1: Absolutely, I 100. I couldn't agree more. And of course, what they have in common is that that need to avoid feelings because feelings you know have become weaponized somehow and they've become so dangerous that actually we need to do whatever we can to avoid feeling them. And I think the same applies with both, you know, whether it's people pleasing or or a kind of an eating disorder, but there is something about this, you know, this awareness that you and I probably communicate all the time at work, which is that, you know, the feelings never killed anybody, but there are cases where the lengths we'll go to to avoid those feelings can do us great damage. Mm-hmm. And part of the people pleasers psychology, I guess, is that they have been so busy feeling other people's feelings that they've lost touch often with their own. They may never have actually had permission to feel their own feelings if they were busy trying to regulate someone who they needed to be okay for their survival, you know, kind of going really young, I guess. But that feeling actually about how can I secure myself? And for a people pleaser, it's often by trying to get some consistency and predictability in the reactions of others. Mm -hmm. And so they they outsource their own feelings and they get busy with other people's. But of course we need our feelings to inform us what we need. Otherwise we can go down any one of a number of self-destructive behaviors, you know, eating disorders included. And I think Mm eating is really interesting with people pleasers, any kind of compulsive behavior actually, any kind of any kind of substance as well, because there's this piece about compliance and defiance for people pleaser and I talk about it in the book a lot this idea of how the people pleaser is born and how we're all born as pleasers we're all born compliant and we hope that we're going to get permission at some point to not be so compliant actually you know to maybe go through a period of time where we can be defiant and we can stretch our our wings and be different and even risk conflict because if we can get through those two stages, we can get out the other side, you know, not beholden to anyone's approval or disapproval, and we can start to negotiate what's right for us. And in, in my clinical practice, I guess, you know, if we take something like bulimia, one of the spaces that I really notice clients get caught is when they're straddling compliance and defiance, mm. you know, trying to work out how to, how to live with and withstand these pressures to be one way but having these kind of breakthroughs where they can't, you know, and they end up kind of in a, in a defiant pattern. So that's a very long answer to this because I could talk about this all day.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's just, so, it's so interesting because I, I just think it it is, you know, like you say, in a way with any sort of perhaps compulsive behavior, it's not just eating disorders, is it? But mm. I think, yeah, that complete, that I love the the way you're talking about it in terms of like straddling that compliance mm. and defiance and yeah 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 it's yeah. so so interesting so I know you talk a lot in the book as well about in a way one of the ways to start to overcome people pleasing is almost kind of like feeling your way out of it mm. so yeah kind of getting back in touch with your feelings and I guess well, your mm. authentic self so could you just say a bit more about that
1: yeah absolutely I I suppose that's That is the crux of it, isn't it? Well, for a lot of therapy, that's the crux of it. This Mm. idea that feelings are really essential data and, you know, they tell us what we need. And it's only when we know what we need that we can work out how to get it or give it to ourselves. And for a people pleaser who has often, you know, as I was kind of saying, occupied the feelings of someone else. There's a double whammy here for a people pleaser, because not only am I asking them to feel their own feelings, which often kind of is met with a very blank expression. You know, I don't know how I feel. I don't know what I enjoy. I don't know what makes me happy. But I'm also asking them simultaneously to go against some of the conditions that, you know, at least on a survival level, they believe have kept them safe and secure and in these relationships that matter to them. So I'm asking them to do these two really difficult things you know, stop taking responsibility for other people's feelings in order that you can start to make friends with your own feelings. And that's a real, that's a real tough ask. And one of the ways that I work with people pleasers around this is to start really small, you know, and there are two ways that I would always encourage people to start really, really small. One is to open up a kind of notes page on your phone, or have a notebook, pen and paper, whatever works, and begin something that I kind of very naively call a joy list, but you could call it what you want. And the idea is that on that list, you just start to capture those little brief moments in life that give you joy, that give you pleasure. And to make them small and to make them achievable, you know, to make them something that you could do on a Tuesday morning, it doesn't have to be a kind of a, a holiday to an exotic destination. This is about, I love having a coffee sitting in that seat outside that cafe, or I love going and picking up that magazine and getting a juice and reading it in the bath, Mm. or I love drinking out of this mug, or I love taking a walk and listening to this podcast, this podcast, maybe, you know, these are the things that give me these units of pleasure, because I need a people pleaser to start to reclaim the, if you like, the kind of the ability to meet their own needs, and to give them something that they've previously been getting from someone else, that feeling of I'm okay, and I'm good enough, and I have worth. So I always ask people to start this kind of little list. And it's typically easier to find those things when you're in a good place, or you're having a good moment. So when you're there and you go, this is great, write it down. I love this song, write it down. It's Mm -hmm. going to be harder for you to find if you're not feeling good that day. So we need that list to kind of be there. It's almost like a little surrogate parent at that point that's going to come in and say, listen, I'm going to hold your hand and we're going to go and do this thing. And you don't even have to want to right now, but can we do it as an experiment? Because Mm. so much of change is about experiment, isn't it? It's about kind of, let's try and find out what's the worst that could happen. So that's the kind of one big piece I talk about. The other big piece in this is starting small, starting low risk. So if you're going to start to renege on some of those contracts you may be made unconsciously with people to do their feeling for them and meet their needs for them. If you're going to start to take back some of that for yourself, start where those relationships are lower risk. They're probably going to be lower reward too. They're going to be those really light touch relationships, someone you don't know very well, or you don't bump into very often, someone in the supermarket. And just have a go at making your need at least as important as theirs. You know, take the last pint of milk out of the fridge if that's what you need. Stand up for yourself if someone pushes in front of you in the queue. See what happens if you allow your need to be important. You'll get some evidence. And when you get some evidence that actually it was okay, your brain will start to offer you that possibility in other situations. And you can gradually work your way into relationships that maybe are higher risk, higher reward. Maybe it's at work or with a friendship or a romantic relationship. Some people might even get all the way into kind of family of origin stuff. But I guess I'm very clear that, you know, this is not a destination. This is a direction of travel. You choose where people pleasing is getting in the way for you today and focus your energy there. Some people choose to leave those family of origin relationships well alone because, you know, there's a kind of spilt milk element to that. Mm. But it gives you some wiggle room to start to get a different result. And once you get that different result, your brain will offer it to you up.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's so helpful, isn't it? I just think <laughs> just to think about those those little baby steps um, and you know that are less risk. And I, also I just love the joy kind of list yeah. as well, isn't it? Because it's and it's really time to take you back, isn't it? Just to those little, little small kind of glimmers that you may be, maybe getting, but perhaps you hadn't yeah. sort of noticed before in your day. Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think it's that piece about, you know, being really, well, I guess, accepting and being really honest about the fact that if you are going to stop people pleasing, you are going to give up some of those conditional strokes that you've been getting. So we need a, a supply in place for you. And you are a much more reliable supply for you. Mm,
0: yeah. And, that, and that's kind of a big lesson, isn't it? To take on board. I think when you have almost become so reliant on mm-hmm. gratifying others and kind of those short term wins of making other people yeah. happy, it can feel like there's quite a big void initially when you're trying yeah. to sort of draw on that yourself.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, and here we are talking again, and we could bring it back to eating at that point. It's, it's about kind of noticing that void and, and naming it and calling it what it is, you know, because the void in that moment, in this example, it's not the absence of, of love from others. It's the absence of something that we've substituted and called love from others. You know, mm-hmm. that idea that the pat on the head from the authority figure at that point is somehow going to fill that void, except it never really does. And that's why we have to keep going back for more and more and more and getting mm-hmm. those feelings, those whacks of shame for doing it in the first place. So actually, if we can sit with the void for that little bit longer and let those feelings come back and say, hey, listen, actually, this might be what you need right now, then we've got the data we need to act more authentically.
0: Mm, yeah, and it's so true. gosh, I wish Emma that I had read your book <laughs> when I was like twenty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know so do I <laughs> <A bit aware>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's so interesting as well like i I love the idea when you're talking here about sort of starting with the lower risk situations because I think as well, when you've been like a chronic people pleaser, and then particularly mm. when you start to think about not pleasing maybe. The people that you're very, very close to in your life, or that you've mm. been kind of embroiled in, perhaps not the most helpful way of relating for a very long time, mm. it can bring up kind of all kinds of feelings. I sort of thinking when perhaps clients just feel that really overwhelming sense of guilt for not yeah. pleasing, or feeling that they're becoming yeah. selfish.
1: Yes, yes, you know that happens, doesn't it? We hear that a lot, and I think guilt's such a fascinating feeling because certainly the way the way I was. I had this training experience around guilt and it was really making the point that actually guilt is the feeling that we get when we've done something wrong. Mm. So with clients, when they tell me they feel guilty, I'll quite often be that really annoying therapist that goes, oh, really? What did you do wrong? And it's that sense of the dissonance that we need to create at that point of, well, I didn't really do anything wrong, but they felt upset with me. Oh, okay, so you didn't do anything wrong and they felt upset with you. You know, mm. that actually, if someone is disappointed in you, and you say no, it doesn't mean you should have said yes. Mm. The responsibility for that disappointment lies with them, mm. what they choose to do with it. It's just it might bring up a, a feeling of fear in you. Well, that's not guilt. So let's get kind of really clear about what the feeling is here, actually. You know, maybe there is a kind of fear of loss that kicks in for you at that point. Let's talk about that. That's mm. where we can really start to kind of see the difference. But we can't we can't repair a rupture that we didn't cause. It's not in our gift to do that. Mm. So actually feeling guilt can sometimes be really trapping because it's actually not quite the essence of what's going on.
0: Yeah, and it's so interesting, isn't it? And it's it's almost like it sounds so helpful in a way, almost having that kind of hyper-awareness of looking at what's actually kind of going on there really. Because, yeah, like you're saying, that there's this sort of dissonance, isn't there, in terms of like one, someone might be feeling really guilty, but actually that's not really the true feeling or they don't need to need yeah. to be feeling that way. Mm, yeah. yeah.
1: So perhaps they've been told in the past that, you know, they should feel guilty. And so we kind of got to hear these yeah. voices, haven't we? That sort of the peer pressure from people of the past who told us that that is, that's a bad thing to do, but,
0: you know, mm. quite often
1: we see people pleasing form in chains. So you might, you know, there's a kid and that kid's busy pleasing their parents because their parents are still busy pleasing their parents, and you end up with this kind of chain of codependency where actually everybody's pleasing someone, but it's not themselves. So everybody has to kind of try and get someone else to please them, and actually breaking that
0: chain is often kind of not
1: a very popular move, mm. but it does a great service for the generations to follow.
0: Yeah, they're no, sure, and it's a very brave move, isn't it? A very courageous yeah, move to kind maybe. of break that chain when it's yeah. almost just been yeah. The sort of natural kind of dynamics yep. that are sort of being yeah lived out by families,
1: yeah, totally.
0: Mm. so something else, Emma, that was really interested in in your book was when you were sort of talking about social media, you know, because I guess lots of people, saying aren't they like detox your feed and you know sometimes that can be really unhelpful but I thought what was really interesting is is how you talked about you know someone's really activated by a particular post experiencing a lot Mm. of negative emotions about that rather than just simply on unfollow maybe to look Mm. a bit more what's beneath that and what's going on so could you say a little bit more about that
1: yeah, well, I love that word activated because that's exactly what we're talking about here. It's that, oh, I've had a feeling. I have had a feeling activated in me by this person that I'm viewing on social media. And of course, we've just talked to me about this idea that people pleasers have certain feelings that they might just not be comfortable with because they might not have been told that they're okay or because they might not have had a positive experience of that feeling in the past. And I think having a feeling activated if you're a people pleaser or anyone else who kind of is working with self awareness, this is great Intel. This is brilliant. Mm. This is such good grist for the mill. So I maybe take an example where I've seen someone on social media and I just think, Oh, you're so self-indulgent. I'm going to unfollow you. Mm. Okay. What is it? That's just come up for me, watching someone claim their space, watching someone have a voice, watching someone not account for my needs as a consumer of social media watching someone who doesn't seem to be considerate of sharing or self-deprecating enough or whatever it is. Ah, this is telling me a lot then about the way I treat myself. So Mm -hmm. I I really like working with people. Before you unfollow, let's just get really curious about what does that person give themselves permission to do that maybe you've never had permission to do, that maybe you still don't give yourself permission to do. In fact, is there a leaf that you could take from their book You may still choose to unfollow them. It may be that they're still not someone that you want to have in your feed. That's okay. But let's just get curious about what it is about them and whether it's that little grain of truth that we could use to help you first. Mm,
0: Yeah. No, so valuable, isn't it? I think, yeah, because there's such a lot of learning, isn't there, to come from that you know rather than perhaps the simply I guess some, perhaps sometimes the straight unfollow could be a little be being a little bit resisting almost couldn't it or, yes
1: um, absolutely absolutely yeah. and I see that with the resistors a lot actually so many resistors will say to me god I would never see me on Instagram oh really why is that oh well it's all xyz and it's all like this and and what does that bring up in you you know wow I think it's kind of whatever, they kind of start using these judgments and, and and tell me about you in that, you know, do you ever give yourself permission to actually not be perfect or not be popular or not be, you know, interesting, that sense that actually maybe there is something going on for you here that you've had to resist the whole lot, just so that you don't have to feel those feelings, because if that's the case, we can cherry pick, you can be self selecting, you can be discerning about what you want to opt into and what you don't. You don't have to resist everything;
0: you can Mm. have it on your terms. Yeah, and it's sure, really illuminating, actually, isn't it? Mm. I think so much learning we can get from all of this. Another part of your book, Emma, that I was really interested in as well. I mean, I'm interested in all of it, to be honest with you. But the people just saying that to please me. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Just the whole kind of pleasing thing as a woman, as well, and perhaps yeah. our expectations that we place on ourselves as women, as mothers. And I guess I'm just wondering as well, just about the whole, I mean, I think this is a massive topic, which we can't open up too much on this podcast today, but I'm just thinking as well, just as women as well and and eating disorders and the whole pressure to be slim and smaller and, you know, control our bodies and look a certain way, you know, so much of that, it it's, you know, links in with the people pleasing, doesn't it?
1: yeah I think it does and I think you know that word control is really important here because it's that sense of the pressure to be controlled you know and even when maybe the original controllers are no longer in our lives that we we continue with that that inner critic that controls us and keeps us complying, keeps us conforming with something you know with some kind of external authority at that point or even we might have internalized it and made it into our conscience that these are the rules and they must be obeyed. And actually sometimes, you know, in the absence of in the absence of those rules and that control and that sense of certainty, we can craft all sorts of other rules. You know, maybe it's around what we're going to eat, maybe it's around what size we should be, what the number on the scales should be. But those are going to be the the sets of measures that we're going to use to value ourselves, you know, mm. because we're so used to outsourcing our sense of self-worth to something that's coming from something external. And I think within that, you know, of course, it affects men and women. And I'm really keen in the book to talk about how it affects men as well, similarly and differently, because I think that there is this overarching pressure to comply that that creates people pleasers everywhere. But that sense maybe for women who have grown up Around a message to maybe not be angry, actually. That's a message that I hear come through quite a lot. You know, don't have conflict, don't be disagreeable, don't make a fuss, don't push back. Maybe you're allowed to do other things. Maybe you're allowed to cry, but you're not allowed to shout. Mm. And actually for those, for those grown-up women who still are trying to get change where they need change in their lives without rocking any boats, that Mm. creates this huge internal conflict and it has to go somewhere. You know, we end up kind of in a battle with ourselves, like a tug of war with ourselves. And that can be that can be projected onto food or or any number of behaviors that we're kind mm. of both trying to be who we were always told to be and desperate to stop being who we were always told to be. Mm. And actually this voice of allowing yourself to express all of your feelings, not just the kind of the shiny ones but all of your feelings so that you learn that they're all okay, they're all survivable, and they're all really important data, particularly anger. You know, if we use this this generalization of, of women, that this idea that anger is energy for change, it's a really healthy unit of energy that tells us when something needs to be different, when we need someone to step off or when someone's crossed a boundary or when something's just not working for us. But if we have to swallow that anger and do something with it and keep it hidden keep it small keep it on the inside we're going to have to do something to try and contain it and the chances are it's the what we do that's actually going to lead us to feel more dissatisfied or more distressed Mm.
0: yeah it's so interesting isn't it because I guess as well I'm sort of thinking about when I work with clients as well when someone presents with a lot of rules in it in any mm. area. It could be around food or weight or something else, or it could be around sort of obsessive compulsive things or something. Mm-hmm. But I guess you kind of know that you, that there are some feelings underneath that are not being expressed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think and I think so often, isn't it, kind of anger as well, you know, as women, perhaps and men as well, we could be quite conditioned not to mm. be able to kind of really have a voice and to express the full range of feelings.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then we sort of end up swapping one feeling for another. And of course, then we've confused the whole control panel and we don't even know anymore what feeling is actually real.
0: You Mm -hmm. know, we find
1: ourselves crying when we maybe should be angry. We find ourselves angry maybe when we need to cry. We can get those kind of crossed wires and there's a detangling process that has to happen there where we get Mm -hmm. back to that kind of actually how do I feel? Because it's only when I know how I feel, I know what I need. I can get it or give it to myself.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, so true. And and it's a bit of a process, isn't it? I just think for myself and people I've worked through, being able to just begin to tune in and be in touch with your feelings much more again. It's a bit of a journey to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, it is. And of course, this is the nature of it, isn't it? You know, So many people will come and say, I want to stop people pleasing because I want to feel better. And I have that sort of bad news for them. It's like, "Mm, so I can help you stop people pleasing. I don't know if I'm going to help you feel better, but I can help you feel something that's more authentic, that gives you more to go on, that helps you make choices that actually get you where you want to be. But this idea that we're just going to feel better is, well, it's a bit of a trap because it can can lead us to think that actually we're not going to feel angry or upset or scared or sad. We are, you know, we need to feel those things because they point us at what we need to do next. But if we learn that actually it's okay to feel those things, which is possibly the learning we always needed, and that someone's going to sit with us and be alongside us and keep us company in those feelings. So we're not going to get rejected for those feelings and that we're going to learn that we can get our needs met or meet them for ourselves in a healthy way. Those feelings stop being something that we have to be scared of. You know, they start to become friends.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, so very true. Emma, one last thing I wanted to just ask you about, and it really helped me in my own kind of recovery from people pleasing, was I guess I, you know, my old kind of faulty thinking was always that in a way that, you know, everyone really liked me being a people pleaser, that, you know, it was kind of really Mm. rewarding, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I guess I came to realize as well that actually, you know, being on the receiving end of someone who's always pleasing is actually quite a frustrating experience. And, you know, kind of, you know, I I guess I know as well now now myself when I have people pleases in my life, you kind of just don't really know sometimes where you are with that person, do you? It can be Mm -hmm. quite confusing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, could you just say a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, of course. So this is its a kind of a tricky message to deliver in some ways because I like to make it clear that I think People pleasers are not doing it because they have a whole range of options available to them and they have Hmm. just consciously selected this manipulative way of getting other people to react favorably towards them. I don't think it's that at all. I think this is Hmm. the kind of unconscious contingency, this last ditch attempt to create something that feels safe and predictable. However, there is an element to people pleasing that is manipulative because we are trying to organize the reactions of someone else, not Hmm for malevolent reasons you know really for our own survival instinct at least on some level but there is something about recognizing that people pleasing actually gets in the way of making intimate relationships and it's hard to make an intimate relationship with someone who only wants us to be happy with them who only wants us to be suitably pleased who only wants us to approve of their actions you know actually we all need permission to to be able to show up and just take 50% of the responsibility for any relationship. If you've people pleased me, and you've made me your kind of judge and executioner, and now I have all this power over you, that I don't want, Mm. it's going to be really hard for us to have a relationship of equals. And I might find it actually that I can't have that relationship with you. So sometimes actually, if we people please, we're really part of the problem. And Mm. It's a more generous and responsible way to show up in relationships if we account for our own needs and we let other people take responsibility for theirs. Mm-hmm. So it's a tricky one. But if anything, what I've noticed when I kind of convey that message to a people pleaser is it gives them a little shred of hope as well. Like, ah, oh, so actually me doing this thing that's in my interest, it's not the same as me taking something away from someone else. I might actually be modeling to them, giving them permission to be themselves too.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think it's just, a, that's such a helpful perspective to, to be able to draw on when you're kind of in that re- kind of recovering yeah. phase.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. That this actually, you know, everybody, this is a win-win situation. Mm. It doesn't mean there won't be loss, you know, and I'm clear in the book about that as well, that we need, to, we need to have resourced you so that you can cope with some loss because there will be some people who, you know, when they say that, you've changed really what they're saying is I don't like that you're no longer doing it my way yeah but it can be okay to walk away from those people because you're walking towards the people that are going to unconditionally accept you and you know they're worth their weight in gold Mm -hmm. yeah
0: they absolutely are (laughs) (laughs) so if people want to find out more about your book or you know just find out more about your work in general where's the best place to go
1: well the book is out now please yourself and it's published by Fourth Estate so wherever you buy your books you can find it and it's available on audiobook and Kindle if you want to follow me on Instagram I am at Emma Reed Terrell and I'll also have a Twitter account at ET counseling so do come and say hi and I'd love to hear kind of what you think and how people please is affecting you
0: Okay, no, lovely. Well, I'm sure, Emma, that lots of people will be getting in touch and also buying your book. And it's definitely one that I'll be um, recommending to my clients. Oh, thank
1: you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been such a joy to talk to you. Thank you, Emma.
0: So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. And do go and check out all of Emma's details and information about her book in the show notes. If you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And if you're looking for further support in your relationship with food, please go to the eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk and there's information about my online courses and breakthrough days. If you'd like to receive additional podcast content, you can now also sign up to my Patreon. So do go over to The Eating Disorder Therapist on Podbean and you can sign up there. And finally, I would be so grateful if you would rate and review this podcast if you're enjoying these episodes, because it really helps it reach more people. Thank you so much for listening today, and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.